It is indeed our Thought Leader Thursday segment. And uh, tonight, as I said, we have Professor Mandla Khateb, Associate Professor uh, in Strategic Communications out at uh, the University of Johannesburg and the author of uh, The Lost Prince of the ANC, The Life and Times of um, Zala Ngumalo. He's my guest tonight. Prof, uh, yeah, you must be very busy. I, I, I've been seeing on, uh, online that you've had a very grueling schedule of uh, 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 you know, book launches. Uh, which one have you found most, most challenging? Uh, good evening, Ayabonga, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, all of them have been challenging, and you have added to the challenge this evening. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, but obviously the first one was very special because um, we had an honor to, be, to have um, Zala Ngomalo's wife, mm. uh, his children. Sure. Uh, some of his siblings and his nieces and nephews. So wow. it was very special. Wow, wow. I, I'm, I'm quite interested, I guess, you know, just briefly, before we get to the project itself, just your own intellectual curiosity in the work of Umzala Ngumal. I, I do understand it has its own political motivations as well. But what is the genesis of this particular piece of work? Um, and to what degree does it fit in with some of your other areas of interest, um, you know, intellectually and in the academic sphere? In your last segment, you you you, you touched uh, on a very interesting question of the national the national question, mm. uh, which remains unresolved in South yeah. Africa. And I think, as as an activist, that's very important to me. Mm. Uh, obviously, the book, as I say in the prologue, that it is a continuation of the work that uh, the late colleague Percy Ngonyama had started. Yes, yes. So that's the genesis of the project. Obviously, there was a center that the the, the Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, mm. Dr. Pinzeman, had set, the Mzala Ngomalo Center. I don't know it's correct. I'm just forgetting his correct name. Uh, where they felt that this project was very important and it, need, it needed to be continued. Mm. And so knowing some of the people who were sitting in that board, they sort of uh, twisted my arm sure, to get sure. uh, involved in the project. But, I mean, you, you would have interacted with Mzala's work much earlier in your life, I would think. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, obvious, like many of us uh, growing up um, in, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, mm. uh, getting active, um, in all sorts of things, including the student movement. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the earliest part of my, uh, how I knew Mzala was Mzala Ngomalo, the man mm. who wrote a book on uh, Kacha Butelese, the chief with the double agenda. Yes, yes. Uh, nothing yes. beyond. Uh, obviously, later on, uh, I came across the article Cooking the Rice Inside the Pot. Mm, mm. Uh, Legally, did I know that there was a wealth of information that these young men who died at the age of 35 mm. had produced almost, uh, if my uh, arithmetic is correct, mm. almost 50 serious articles yeah. uh, in the journals of the liberation movement, but also in the scholarly journals over and mm, above the book mm. and the media articles that he had produced. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I find quite interesting uh, and I was saying this when we were introducing the show, is I, I've always found it interesting to read Mzala Ngumalo's work, which he produced at a very young age, alongside other people who've thought on the national question. I mean, Nosizwe or, you know, uh, Dr. Neville Alexander is another example. Um, and one of the material that one comes across is how also Mzala's work was also quite historical, that he took the time to go and say, here is the distinction between this ideological strand, here is this ideological strand, and here's the other. Having looked at some of this work, what would distinguish him, in your view, on the national question to, say, Neville Alexander or, or any other of the intellectual or political currents in the country? 
I think the profundity of uh, Mzala's intervention, uh, in my view, was his uh, ideological consistency mm. as a Marxist-Leninist who believed that uh, the yes, we needed to, to resolve the national question in mm. South Africa. But for him, at the heart of that were the material condition that the marginalized people... Uh, the working class in particular remained uh, marginalized and will, will also remain um, marginalized beyond mm. national liberation. And therefore, for him, the class question and how he connected the national liberation struggle and the class struggle, mm. uh, for, for me, that's what makes his work even relevant today. And sure. actually, if you look at the problems that the country is faced with, you'll realize that we, we can still mm. learn a lot uh, from uh, his writings. You place him in the same place as the Robinsons, the Makubanes, the others who have tried to do the same? Certainly, but the difference with Mzala is that was his, what, what I would call his praxis, his mm. uh, ability to, um, to transcend the uh, theoretical uh, uh, boundaries. And because he was uh, an MK soldier, Yes who did not only theorize on the people's war, which was one of his uh, very interesting topics. Yeah, the rice and the pot. and You yeah. know, mm, that we mm. needed to, to, to synchronize these things. Yeah. And uh, he did not just theorize about that, but he came right into the frontline states uh, into South Africa in advancing mm. that. For me, so that will be the slight different with Mzala. Uh, beyond the fact that he was young, but he yeah. he he did not just believe uh, in what you'll call a remote control revolution. Mm. He believed that yes, we needed to theorize, uh, uh, but certainly we needed to go on the ground and mm. do the things that you talk about. One of the other things that I found interesting, and I'd love to hear your comment on this. I mean, it does come out in the book as well, which is, you know, how Mzala also found himself on the end of critique from some of his own comrades in the South African Communist Party, on his reflections on the black consciousness movement and the emergence of black consciousness in South Africa, uh, which is something he would have been exposed to when he was out in Goya as a student leader as well. Um, and I guess how, how that, in a way, also shifted the broader, I would say, Congress movement's thinking on this question of some of the issues that the black consciousness movement was raising. Just your, your thoughts on that. Yes, I mean, if you look at that generation, uh, particularly the 1976 generation that Mzala mm. was part of, uh, most of them would have, one way or the other, uh, inter, uh, intersected with black consciousness mm. um, uh, ideology, which was a dominant ideology at, that time, uh, yeah. at, at the time. And, and, and he was very clear that it was a very important. And here's the thing with Mzala, which I think uh, makes it very interesting for me, that he, he believed, he, he understood the importance of nationalism, mm. but not the narrow and ethno-nationalism. Or chauvinism. Chauvinism, yeah. you know. Mm. But he understood that it, it, it was useful for the time to mobilize the, the majority oppressed people. Mm. But for him, that was not the end in, in itself. That is why he was always infusing the class sure. and understanding that the oppression of the majority black people in South Africa mm. was not because they were just generally black, mm. but they were exploited as a class first, as a class first and foremost. So, mm. but you needed to mobilize them, and, and nationalism for him in that context was important. Yeah, but it was not a, a narrow internet yeah. uh, nationalist. I, I mean, I guess the same might be extended to some of his religious views as well, because often when when you think of Amakomanis, you, you're not thinking of somebody who would also have a strong influence from the Seventh Day Adventist Church, for instance. 
Um, I mean, how was that? It, it, it's often like that on the continent. We, we like to draw that distinction. But if you go to other places, Latin America, you know, some of the most progressive Marxists are Catholics. Um, so just your, your thoughts on to what degree religion also influenced the person Mzala became and in particular the intellectual uh, he becomes. South America uh, in particular is one of the examples we are talking about. Mm. People like Fidel Castro, who yeah. were very clear as Catholics mm. and as Marxists. And I think that is one of the uh, biggest questions that Mzala grappled mm. uh, with. Uh, with. Uh, most of us who grew up in church who became Marxists, we had to grapple with this question. Mm. Um, you're, you know, and uh, and you, you can see in in some of his writings, but also in some of his utterances, mm. uh, but also in some of the discussion, I think uh, Paulo Jordan raises mm. that very uh, interesting, interestingly and sharply, some of the debates and the engagements mm. they had um, on religion and having had to understand, grapple with the question of uh, Marxism. But mm. for me, it's clear, it's clear that Mzala saw a lot of uh, correlation. That is why yeah. at some point when he was in, uh, uh, in New York, he he made a, a, a correlation with what uh, Joss Lovo used to say, that there are two good people that he always find in this world mm. uh, were good Christians and good uh, communists. Mm, mm, mm. And, and I guess, you know, th- the other element is, you know, the context within which Mzala works. I mean, it's a context where you, you are part of a guerrilla movement, you uh, have all your own ambitions to be an academic. I mean, he was doing a PhD when he passed on. But all of this is happening in a world that is changing. And also, I think his own organization at the time is changing. How and what you have done and looked at in the book, do you think that was reflected in his work? All of these things, I mean, he's now becoming a family man, stable guy, PhD, fall of the Berlin Wall. It's pity pity. Yes, mm. uh, without giving much away, because I think you, I'm not sure if you've, re- you've arrived at this chapter, it's chapter 12, titled Dazzled by Capital. It's, it's, it's the chapter which really... Uh, That's the next chapter I need to go to, yeah. It's yeah. a chapter mm. that really amazed me, so I won't say mm. much about it, but it's a chapter that uh, revealed a lot about Bzala for me, which mm. I was completely, completely unaware of. Sure. He is in the U.S. with uh, well-renowned scholars, uh, Tom Carris and Gail Gerhardt, mm. Who had recruited him to come to become a fellow at uh, Yale University? Sure, he was going there to write uh, O. R. Tambo's uh, biography mm. in 1991. Wow. Uh, he was few few months away from submitting his uh, PhD at uh, Open University in mm. London. These are the the only records uh, of Mzala that are, that are spoken that were recorded by these academics. Uh, where Mzala is not writing, but he, for the first Speaking time, f- mm. it looks like to me, uh, it, it sounded, it felt to me like it was a cathartic moment for him. Mm. Uh, he insists somewhere uh, in the text that he wanted his kids not to read the sanitized version of history. Wow. The version that, he, uh, he says, the version that the ANC would like you to know. I want to tell you a little bit deeper about uh, the real ANC because I want people back at home to really understand the ANC. For mm. me, it really amazed me. Uh, of course, it, it, um, as you'll read in the chapter, it comes across that he was still very protective of the SACP, mm. Mm. Uh, but he was very scathing of the manner in which the, the direction he felt the ANC was taking 
taking in the negotiations. Mm. It's a debate that would have started in the in 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 the mid eighties, nineteen eighty six, I think, where he started writing about the negotiations, mm. but trying to infuse uh, his views, particularly the need of having a a guerrilla war an in South Africa, yeah. an insurrection, mm. so that. Uh, the apartheid regime could be toppled. So for mm. me, it, uh, it it was an eye-opener how he interacted with that moment. And I think we can learn a lot, mm. uh, uh, not about just the ANC, yeah. but our current moment uh, you know, as a country. I haven't read that chapter, but as you were speaking, what comes to mind is an interview um, which Afrovision, uh, the archive uh, there on YouTube, put out of Chris Hani who at the time was, you know, expressing his views about how unhappy he was about the disbanding of Mkondo Esizu and so on. And the sense that, you know, if you didn't lay the basis for that insurrectionary moment by arming the masses, as he would say, and all of that, that you would come to the negotiating table from a position of weakness. Um, is that what, I guess, Mzala would have felt at that moment, that, you know, this is probably not the time where you dial down the struggle, but actually when you intensify it? Actually, he says he says it in his own words uh, when he's he's in the U.S. Mm. and he uses all the national liberation movements uh, in the region as examples. Mm. As examples, I mean, he says there was a time where uh, Mugabe and Zanu and Zapu were negotiating mm. while the war was still going on. Yeah, so that to strengthen the hand uh, of the national liberation movement mm. in those negotiations. So he felt that um, when the movement is has not strengthened itself at that level, uh, it will give away, uh, it will make too many compromises. Mm. Um, I, I suppose um, now history uh, uh, will judge him whether it was wrong or right. Yeah, Prof, hold that uh, thought there for us. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, we continue with Professor Mandla Khatebe, the author of The Lost Prince of the ANC, The Life and Times of Chablani, Nobleman, Mzala, Ngomalo. And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll speak about, uh, yeah, I guess uh, some of the other interests of Mzala alongside the national question. And uh, I guess uh, his work, uh, on uh, Kachab Tele's uh, Chief with a Double Agenda is also shows another part of Mzala, Mzala the historian. And uh, we'll uh, start to touch on that on the other side of this. It's our Thought Leader Thursday uh, segment here on Metro FM Talk. And tonight we speak to Professor Man Lakhatebe uh, to speak about his latest offering on the life and times of Mzala Ngumalo. And, uh, you know, Professor Khatebe, I think one of the things for me as I was reading the book that always just kept on gnawing at me was... To what degree there is a historiography around Umzal? Because, you know, if you think about like a lot of the liberation movements, uh, there's always this very mainstreaming of the historiography of certain personalities. Um, and it seems that in the contemporary space, Umzala comes up um, largely on the part of the SACP and how they theorize it. There's also a region of the ANC named after him in Guazum Natal. But in many instances, his name also comes up um, you know, in the person of Mtuanaga Pindangene and his concerns about the book that was written about him, uh, which he tried to ban, but also he was also concerned when the ANC decided to rename that district after Umzala Ngumalo. That piece of work that he did, I guess in many ways, will always mean that it crops up even when the legacy of, you know, Prince Butelezi is discussed, reflected on and written about. Talk to me about the process of putting t- that work together for Umzala um, and why it was such a, a groundbreaking piece of work. 
I mean, uh, if you look at uh, at the back of that book, the chief with the double agenda are well-renowned scholars like Professor Shula Marx. Yes, yes, yes. Who, South African, yeah? South African mm. who were based in uh, the UK who, mm. who tell us that this is one of the best uh, books on the South African history. Wow. Now think about it that uh, Mzala started writing this book um, properly in around 1985, mm. uh, 86 after the Gabwe ANC conference. Mm. You can imagine during that time how he access all this information, the length at which he the goes archive. to get information. Of course, mm. uh, Professor John Daniel, who had interacted with Mzala in Swaziland, um, comes meets him in now London. Okay. He's working for Z Press. Mm. Uh, obviously, he's, he's given some bit of resources. Uh, he spends time in the library okay. going through that book. But part of that book, of course, was his interest on the ethnic question mm. as part of re- of the resolution of the national question but for mm. me the length at at which mzala went in writing the book uh, is very is very is very commendable that many young historians i'm not a historian myself mm. but uh, should learn uh, from from mzala the the, com- the commitment and the dedication mm. uh, uh, in putting such uh, work yeah yeah and and i guess in many ways that work you know was able to reveal um I don't know, certainly having gone through it for me, to reveal why the national question for him was so important in the sort of hotbed of ethno-politics of Guazul Natal and, of course, how those found expression here in Gauteng. I mean, the timing of it as well, yeah. For me, if, if you read just um, a, a lot of, and, and I don't do justice uh, on the national question mm. on this book, if you, if you read Mzala's original writings, on the national question, you you will uh, for me it's like he was a was a prophet. Mm. Uh, if you look at the problems that we are having now, um, even inside the ANC, the manner in which uh, it is becoming an ethnic organization, mm. uh, a black party, a regionalist, a regionalist mm. organization. Mm. If you look at uh, broader in a society, the the rise of what you'll call ethno-nationalist movements. Mm. I mean, Operation Dudula is one of yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Mzala had forewarned about Cape that. Colored Congress. Cape yeah. Colored Congress. Mm. You know, all those th- these things that are, in what in, in Mzala's terms, were backward things. But mm. he had warned us that if you do not resolve the national question through dealing with the the, the, the production relations, mm. you are going to be, have to face uh, this problem. So I think in that sense, for me, it was almost prophetic in his mm. writings. He was also, I mean, quite interested, I guess, in education. And when I say education, broadly defined, right? Uh, both the pedagogic project just of passing knowledge from one generation to the next, but also political education. Um, and I find it quite interesting because, you know, one of the things he says, he says educational systems in South Africa are designed to legitimize systems of exploitation by man to sanctify the privileges of the rich and the poverty of the propertyless and to serve the interests of the rich. And black students in this setup are taught how to service the social needs of the racist minority community that rules us. So when pursuing education, which is basically a process of equipping oneself with standardized knowledge historically achieved by society, South African students function inevitably as part of these contradictions. And they understand their role in life in general and in their community in particular from the framework of these social and political realities. How do you make sense of how he viewed the pedagogic and other implications of education and this view that the student movement is raising around free decolonized education, which is not just about access, but I guess also the terms on which access happens and I guess the 
you know, content of what it is that they are taught um, and what they participate in producing. Beyond the access and the content question, I think mm. Mzala what he was uh, saying here, again, which for me is another prophetic mm. uh, uh, statement and analysis, was that the the, the graduates that we produce mm. uh, and that the revolutionary movement must produce should not be just an ordinary graduate mm. who will think about getting a job and getting a nice car. But it must be a graduate that is connected deeply with the contradiction in society mm. and wanting to use society or their education rather mm. to resolve these societal uh, problems. Mm. And in a sense, if you look at the and I, and I and a part of my frustration with the current um, my generation and the, and those who come uh, behind us is that we have become a generation of takers. Mm. Uh, we demanded free education, we got it. We demand free housing, we demand, we demand, we demand, with no sense of giving back. Mm. Uh, how do we ensure that we use our education mm. to give back and uplift? others and resolve the national crisis. Mm. Because if you look at Mzala's generation, uh, these were young people, and I think I say it somewhere in the book, that these were young people that were prepared to give their lives sure. for the freedom we have. Mm. What are we giving back? Mm. 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 You know, I guess there's also Mzala the person, and I find it so interesting at the back of the book, um, the quote there, Mzala owned three bikes and a car in Swaziland, and he had names for each of them. The 50cc bike was called the chicken, the 100cc, the stallion, and the big one he called Oshkosh. Uh, he used Oshkosh for longer distances, and it is said that he rode it at breakneck speed. There's a particular eccentricity that comes with um, yeah. you, you know, your look into Mzala. And uh, it's, it's so great that you get also his partner to share her own reflections of Mzala, uh, some of his comrades, you know, um, and... Um, you know, it's great to hear the, the voice of Tariq, for instance, in the book. And we've spoken to him before here about some of his own work. Um, you know, who can talk about the eccentricities, you know, of somebody who was very committed to the intellectual and political project of freeing South Africa, but who also, I guess, had his own kinks. I mean, you know, the spirulina juices and all of that, uh, which is where I am in the book uh, now. <laughs> but, but, I mean, just how important was it to humanize Mzala? Because in the canon of the liberation struggle, when you speak of Mzala, I mean, I remember, you know, a few weeks, uh, it must have been a few months ago, um, and uh, there was a, you know, an event, uh, you know, a funeral in Tanzania, and we sort of, uh, subsequently, there was a coming together of people who hadn't seen each other in a long time, and a lot of them were in MK, um, and even in that setting, I mean, in between the songs and the merriment and so on, uh, you could hear people who were in the camps who were saying, yeah, but the political education we received came from Zala, you know, um, and and I think in many ways his work sticks with people in that way. And so we understand him in that way as this towering intellectual. And if we didn't know, we wouldn't know this was a young person who died at the age of 35. Who was the person? Who, who was Mzala the guy? And I think for me, that was the biggest thing I thought uh, I mm. wanted to achieve uh, with this book, just telling the Mzala Ngomalo story. Mm beyond uh, the intellectual intervention that he made throughout his life. Mm. Because, that, uh, because what that did, it, tend, it tended to limit his life to the 15 years that he lived, in, sure. uh, in, or so years that he lived in exile. I wanted to understand uh, the, the society that produced mm. Zala, because we're all product of societies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to understand the family, what kind of a family mm. that uh, produced this, uh, sure. this young man. Um, 
and you you can he- see the impact both the educational aspect mm. of his school teachers parents but also the religious aspect the morality question Mzara mm. grapples with the morality mm. questions throughout yeah uh, his life because of that upbringing mm. yeah, but also he was uh, an ordinary young star mm. who, i mean was i mean these were kids the, i mean uh, if you think about it now i mean we were in our, mm. in our 40s mid 40s uh, mid to late 40s and here were these kids were 17 18 years leaving the country mm. and these some I mean, even younger some even mm. younger mm. you know uh, how did they survive in the camps mm. what did they get into you know all so these stories for me were very important mm. just to understand i mean you, you you could see i mean when he wrote uh, cooking the rice uh, inside the pot you can see that he was a man deeply in love. He had just mm. met his wife. Mm. And you can see the, the excitement. Romanticism. The romanticism yeah, you know, sure, sure. Even almost idealistic in, mm. in the manner in which he advances his argument. So I thought it was important that uh, we, we also understand that aspect yeah. uh, uh, of Mzara, that he was a, a young man who came from deep rural mm. uh, 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 Zululand, uh, but with such uh, wow. knowledge and such a mind. Incisive mind. And I guess some of it very prophetic if you think about where we are now. Maybe just as we wrap up, when we locate Mzala, the internationalist, uh, because in many ways Mzala was a very, you know, um, avowed and passionate member of an international communist movement. Um, and, you know, was even some of the images that, you know, still remain of him are in platforms like that. He was also part of the, uh, uh, I think, the World uh, Left Review. Um, yeah. yeah. Just talk to us about that, Mzala, just as we wrap up. You know, one, I, I think the, it must have been the Philipp, Philippines, Philippines uh, Communist Party mm. that sent a note um, at his funeral wow. uh, to acknowledge that aspect of Mzala. Uh, because from, from the early age, mm. um, I mean, as early as 1977, so Mzala skips the country in 1976. Mm. 1977, Mzala accompanies uh, or is part of a delegation that goes to the World Youth Congress in Cuba, mm. uh, uh, led by uh, O.R. Tambo. And that's, that's why his internationalism begins. Sure. Obviously, he's trained in Russia. He spends time in the GDR. So, mm. so that those experiences, you can see, they shaped uh, mm. his thinking. But he, he as, uh, I mean, some of the things, they don't come out very clear in the book. He had very strong views, by the way, of the Eastern European uh, Communist Party. Mm, and the degeneration and, of those parties. Uh, the degeneration yeah. Yeah. Of, of those mm. parties. So it was not just um, an internationalist that uh, romanticized everything mm. uh, the, com- the communist movement did. He was also critical of it. Mm. Uh, and that is why, for example, when he was in the GDR, he was grappling yeah. with the question yeah. of religion and he was challenging everyone. He was not afraid to challenge, mm. to stand up and, 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 you know, and raise his views. And that's, I guess, one legacy that certainly many um, young people must take on, uh, that he was not only afraid of doing the fundamental intellectual work, but also a very courageous activist as well who was able to to express his views, uh, even when those views, I guess, were not popular in the mainstream. And uh, Prof, I think we want to thank you for the great work that you have done uh, for posterity in really capturing and packaging uh, the intellectual, political, and I guess just the human life of Mzala Ngumalo in this way. Um, and I think we are much richer for that. And thank you very much for coming through and being our thought leader on this Thursday. Ayabong, I thank you very much. And I hope the young people are inspired to go to the libraries and not just be courageous, yeah. but uh, engage with the work and read. Thank you very much. Where can we find the book? 
The book is available in all leading uh, bookstores, mm. exclusive bookstores across the country. If you can't get it, you can always mm. uh, get it online on www.jakana.co.za. Uh, so, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. One of my colleagues, Andil, is looking for the other book. Uh, the chief with a double agenda. So, so I said to him, "Hey, I, I don't think that that one is in print. <laughs> I don't know if Z Books is still around, but uh, uh, we'll try and find that one. Or he must f- try and look for one of these second-hand bookstores. They should have it." Uh, Professor Khatebe Nyabong. Thank you very much. Uh, that there was Professor Mandla Khatebe, uh, the author of the Lost Prince of the ANC, the Life and Times of Jablani Nobleman Mzala Ngumalo. And uh, yeah, go check it out. I'm I'm three quarters of the way through. And I must say, it's a compelling and a fascinating read.